Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn, ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn, tell people to stay off the lawn, compare it to your neighbor's lawn, and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering. We're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting. We're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom, or opening gifts virtually, traditions can keep us close, even when we can't be together. Stay safe. Stay connected. Think big and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Trina Girl. Let's talk Atlanta. This is our first edition edition of our virtual pop-up talk show. Um, it is virtual today because of COVID-19, but in the near future, you will be seeing all of us together, okay? Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to introduce this to everyone, and I'm excited to have you guys a part of the Girl Let's Talk Atlanta pop-up talk show. Um, to introduce myself, I am Trina B. I am the founder of Girl Let's Talk Atlanta. I am also the marketing and advertising goddess, but I see myself also. <laughs> um, I love marketing, love advertising, but most of all, I'm connecting with African-American women. Um, in this time right now, it's definitely important that we kind of stick together, we communicate so that we can to kind of figure out like what we do um, to, you know, tone down some of the chaos that's going on in our communities. So I want to go ahead and introduce um, our first guest, which is Anasha. If you would go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello. So I am Anasha Marie. I am one half of Papu Bella Inc., which is a nonprofit organization. Um, we focus ourselves on female entrepreneurship, resources, and branding. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having us. <laughs> The ink is Miss Portia. Hey, Portia. <laughs> Yo, I'm Portia. I'm the other half of Capabella, a co-founder. And yeah, just to piggyback off of what Anasha said, we also focus on career development and community advocacy um, in the local area. So yeah, that is the gist of Capabella. Awesome. Awesome. Our next yeah, uh, co-host is Miss Kay Nicole. Hey, Kay, how are you? Hey, I'm good. So as she said, I'm Kay Nicole, and um, I created a girl talk brand called Girl I Got Issues. Um, it's just for Black girls to come together and just talk about the issues they have and, you know, kind of just um, figure it out with each other, like Girl Me Too, what's going on, and how can we um, help heal each other through girl talk, because I believe that girl talk is a powerful healing mechanism, so. Girl, I got issues. Yes. <laughs> Our next co-host is Jay. I'm gonna pronounce your name. Jay. Uh, Jay Amitria. Is it? Jamitria. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. All right. All right. The J is pronounced like a Y, so it's Yan Mitra. Um, Waddell and I am the only Miss Pat's Crazy Specialist. So, what better place to be than here with me? And I am the founder of Be Fearless Incorporated, which is a nonprofit that helps women um, become more than overcomers after domestic violence. We learned how to thrive and live past that and how to live past crazy. Awesome. Awesome. I love, love nonprofits. <laughs> Um, our next co-host is Dr. Canary. Connery? Canary. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Canary. Uh, my patients know me as Dr. Fuller. Um, I'm a medical doctor. My specialty is psychiatry. And I'm also the founder of Mind, Body, Sex. Because my side hustle, I'm also a sex therapist. Okay. Mm, All right. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to have a side hustle, okay? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Our next um, co-host is uh, Ms. Gwen. Hello. Hey, Queen. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. 
So my name is Gwen Ajayi of GwenAjayi.com. I am a personal brand stylist. I help remarkable women who show up well in their business reflect that in their personal brand and their style. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Yes. Our next co-host is Miss Kathy. Hey, Miss Kathy. How are you? Hello, everybody. My name is Kathy Butler. I am the founder of Comfort in the Storm, and we are a child sex abuse, child sex abuse prevention and awareness training uh, center. So we provide training for small groups, large groups, anybody who needs to be trained. We want to make sure that your children are thoroughly protected and that you have all of the knowledge to be able to provide that protection. So we welcome um, emails and phone calls and you can reach us on our social media platforms and ask questions, but definitely check us out. We do provide daily uh, prevention and awareness tips to make sure that your children are protected. Awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. Always got to look at the very important, especially um, <laughs> with, I always say, especially now, because times are crazy right now. Like every single day, there's something going on. It's something that's needed um, regarding us as women, regarding our children, regarding our husbands, our spouses, like everything is so much needed. And you all contributing to the community and bringing the greater good and greater causes are definitely important. I appreciate that as well. Um, our next guest, uh, not sure if Candace is on here yet, um, but she is not, I don't think. So tonight's topic is embracing womanhood, embracing sisterhood. So I want to first begin to say, like, what is, like, what was your first experience like with embracing sisterhood or what was sisterhood like for you? And anyone can chime in. Um, before we chime in, I just wanted to go ahead and introduce myself as well. Um, I am Day, um, Day Trader Hayes. Oh, hey. No, you're totally fine. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. This is new for all of us. It's okay. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I fit in. <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, my name is Day Hayes. Most people know me as Day Hayes on Instagram. I am the founder of Beauty for Ashes which is an online community and resource for um, angel parents, um, specifically moms of color who have experienced pregnancy and infant loss. Um, and we walk them through coaching and healing and turning their stories of trigger and trauma into stories of transformation for social and political impact. That's awesome. Yes. That is needed. For sure. All right. So for the, um, the conversation tonight is embracing womanhood, embracing, you know, you being a woman, um, period. And again, it's open. So whoever wants to begin can begin and we'll just chime all in. Did you have a question um, to initially like kick off the conversation? I thought you were about to ask something. Yes. What is embracing womanhood? Like, how do you embrace womanhood? And what was it like? What, what was your first experience like, you know, with embracing your womanhood and embracing everyone around you, like coming into like circles of women or cliques or what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can share. I'll share. Um, so I think my first experience of and this might be the alternative but it's gonna die in I promise um deconstructing the like societal version of what womanhood was like that first experience of actually learning myself came from going to college um and so I, I came out here from Houston Texas to Atlanta Georgia to go to Spelman and it completely shifted like my identity my power my authority um in ways that I never could have imagined because I was finally able to kind of just kind of break off those barriers of what everyone else was telling me womanhood was and try to like navigate that for myself. Right. Yeah. I'll say, um, cause I grew up with um, older sisters. So my first um, coming into womanhood and sisterhood was coming from my older sisters and them grooming me and teaching me what being a sister actually is outside of the actual sibling relationship. So learning how to love and learning about being in a um, intimate like relationship with their friends and things like that so just outside of my older sisters teaching me that once I 
went on my own because um, I was on my own kind of uh, about 17. So I met women like girls my age at the time that were going through similar things that I was going through. And we kind of all like bonded and helped groom each other from from things like that, because I didn't go straight to college when I graduated. So um, I was just able to connect with different women that were just going through similar things. And, and we taught each other what it's really like to bond, you know, on a on a different level. So. Yeah. I think for me, I, I found I found myself in my place um, in that dynamic when I became a mom um, and I became a mom at an early age. And so really learning how to to sacrifice and how to love someone else, you know, above yourself and mm -hmm. having to navigate the world in a way that. I really wasn't accustomed to, but seeing that, you know, I had the responsibility of molding another woman, basically, right. um, it really helped me to, to develop myself in an effort to want to be the best version that I could be of a mom to my child. And so having been responsible for myself, you know, for several years prior, um, I came in contact with a lot of women, or I should say girls who, who kind of helped me to discover myself, but it took a while for me to really learn and discover me in, in my totality. And that in itself was a journey. And so mm -hmm. in all honesty, I don't think I really found myself and found my voice until I was probably like 30. Um, but being a mom at an early age really set me on that journey and that path. And so, you know, over time, I, I kind of, discovered who I was but that really initiated through motherhood um I'll share so um I am a Navy veteran and so I think my experience with um going to boot camp because I went in right out of high school um and I grew up with a brother I didn't have any um sisters so going into boot camp was my first time really like being around women that around my age and then everything was like a time limit so it's just like when it came to showering i'm like i gotta be naked in front of these other girls like for the first time i'm being like dude and it felt like in public you know right. um but it's kind of like okay you don't have time to be trying to cover up and be cute so these other girls don't see what you got we all got the same thing <laughs> and if i don't get out of the way then old girl over here probably not gonna be able to shower because we got like right. 10 minutes you know what i mean so it was just like yeah. it was something like that was just being like stop thinking so much about people seeing you and covering up girl just do what you gotta do and get out the way and then that was me like being considerate of other women for the first time or if like you got five minutes to make your bed and have your uniform on and I see somebody else over there struggling with her bed I'm like let me help this girl you know what I mean <laughs> so it was just like always that was me just being um a woman but being like selfless at the same time for the first time ever in life and having to share my space um right. with other women and I think I think being like closely like confined with other women kind of teaches you a lot about yourself and um, I think that was my first experience, and I was 18, out of high school for three days, so. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have a similar story, like Kay, uh, Nicole. Um, I grew up with all boys. All my first male cousins were boys. I was a huge tomboy into sports. I wasn't really that girly girl growing up, so I didn't have a lot of, like, close girlfriends. I maybe had, like, one or two, but all my friends were guys because my cousins were my friends, my brothers were my friends. And of course, I would say my path to womanhood started with my mother and my grandmother, you know, you know, instilling those values and how to be a woman in me. Um, but my when I went off to college, I feel like that's when I had that group of friends that I learned from um, and that I was really able to kind of dive into my womanhood and figure out as a black woman who I was and what my identity was, because I went to a... Um, I went to the white version of Spelman. I went to a school called Wesleyan College and it's in Macon, Georgia, but it's predominantly white. And mm -hmm. um, just to show you how it, it wasn't, it was, we prided ourselves on diversity, but it wasn't as diverse as a school would, would like to have been because like the first black student didn't graduate till maybe like 1960. And our school was one of the first schools in the U.S to grant degrees to women, and they were founded based off of the Ku Klux Klan. So it was very interesting to go to a school like that because there was um, moments that, were, that, that people were being racist and prejudiced against other black women there. So 
I learned to really bond with other black women. I learned their stories. And in that, I ended up creating my own identity and realizing like, you know, as black women, we have to celebrate each other. We have to um, build each other up. And that's really when my journey on womanhood really started. I say my journey um, started, I, I definitely agree with um, Dr. Fuller, it started from home. So um, I was raised as a only child, um, but I'm very close with my aunt who was raised kind of like my sister and um, my mother, she was very young, she had me as well. So we were kind of like very close knit. Um, and then outside of that, it would have been in a, a place of worship. So I was raised um, uh, Islamic. So in the mosque, pretty much what we had was like a kind of like a debutante. So we had uh, women's classes every Saturday. And it was really great because it really started the foundation of teaching me not only how to be a woman, but how to be a great wife, how to be, you know, a good mother and things of that nature and learning how to cook. So um, learning how to have, you know, good communication skills and things of that nature. So that really helps, you know, just put a foundation of who I am and uh, really made me comfortable with being who I am. I agree with what most of you all are saying that it started at home. Um, you know, seeing my mother um, be a mother and also a wife and an entrepreneur, um, what that meant and how she embodied all parts of her womanhood. And in addition to that, I had two older sisters who were at least 10 years older than me. Um, so they were, you know, during my years of becoming a woman, they were full-fledged into it. So, you know, watching them become mothers um, and those experiences of being a single mother and them empowering themselves, going through everything that they went through was um, quite an experience just to be on that outside looking in um, what their womanhood was like. And then, you know, other than that, outside of home, it was the group of friends that I had from pretty much middle school um, till now, you know, having a group of friends that you can be vulnerable with and talk about your experience with womanhood and go through those different chapters of your life. Um, even when we're all going through different chapters, um, you know, having somebody who you could talk to and you can lean on and talk about you know, different things that you're going through in your own journey through womanhood. I think we, we all can probably relate to having at least that one good friend that you can talk about going through that journey with. And, you know, I, I think for me, um, when I think about my journey to where I am today, um, one of the things that really sticks out is over time, you're able to kind of look back and see your mom as a whole woman now. Right. Growing up, she was just mom. You know, you didn't really, you didn't see her necessarily in terms of her growth, her struggles and all of that. And mm -hmm. it's not until you're in womanhood that you now have a different perspective. And so then I was able to reach out and say, you know, I'm having this issue and, and feel comfortable talking to her because I, I realized looking back, hey, she went through some of these things, you know, she's got some knowledge and some wisdom and some experience. Let me tap into that and really making my mom my friend. Because I think, you know, in those adolescent years, you don't necessarily, you know, you may not see your mom as your friend, not all of us anyways. And so as you start your journey into womanhood and you start to see some of that really tough terrain and you're like, okay, I need some help navigating this. Let me call my mom. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> she might know some stuff. Let, let me let me right. call her. <laughs> when you start that conversation, and you know, she's like, mm hmm I was wondering when you was gonna right. ask me. Right. <laughs> I was waiting for you to open right. the door because I didn't want to insert myself, but I was right. waiting for you to ask. And so now you're seeing your mom, you know, as a whole woman who mm -hmm. has a wealth of knowledge and experience, and she can help guide you in a way that maybe you didn't appreciate, you know, in your adolescent years. Yeah. 
Right. I love how you, yeah, I love how you put that. That's so true. Cause I definitely started to bond with my mother at an older age, you know, like you said, was able to kind of still rely on her, even though I had kind of shut her out thinking that I knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I called and was like, okay, mama, I need some help. You know, she was right there. And, and like you said, she was like, okay, I was wondering when you was going to go ahead and give me a call. <laughs> right. <laughs> my mom is. You failed because you didn't tell me this. And so she well, I was I've been waiting for you to ask. I, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to insert myself. I don't want to overstep my bounds. But and I jokingly say that to her, but there's so much that we can learn from, you know, from our elders if we just take the time to sit and listen. And right. it's not for that sure. they want to teach us, but sometimes, you know, we're we're bumping our own heads and they're just right. waiting for us to, you know, to ask. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, for me, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I am the middle child, so I have an older sister and I have a younger sister. And three girls growing up in the household, it was crazy. It was chaotic. Relatable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally didn't realize, I guess, you know, what my mom was going through or, you know, the issues and things like that that she was having. Um, until like actually like a few days ago I was sitting here cleaning up and I was like you know what I wonder if my mom was going through the same thing but the thing about it is like when we were younger our parents that my parents didn't speak on the issues or the you know the problems mm -hmm. that were going on in the house so we didn't know that anything was going on so when I'm like I'm like dang you know my mom was going through all because she was a single mom so I'm like my mom was going through all this stuff and had, you know, probably her sisters or somebody to talk to. But at the end of the day, she was doing all this stuff on her own. So when I look back and I see all the things that my mom has done, all the things that she has accomplished, all the things that she has instilled in us, it makes me proud to say, okay, wow, like my mom has really did a lot of stuff. And I could definitely look up to her um, and, and see like, you know, what she's done and kind of add that into my daily life as well. So, but it wasn't until I was older, um, that I had an opportunity or had opportunities to reach out to her, you know, by her being a single mom and me being a single mom. Like, I was like, okay, now I got to ask her this and ask her that. Some things, you know, I feel uncomfortable with asking, but mm -hmm. at the time, she's already been there and done that. So it's like, why well, would I uncomfortable <laughs> asking my mom about certain situations and certain things? But like Anasha said, like, I'm starting to develop a, a different relationship with my mom now versus when I was younger. And now it's like, mom, okay, like, what did I do? Like, at first, I wouldn't ask for any advice. I was in control. I, I had everything figured out. So why am I going to ask her for anything? I know. <laughs> gonna be like don't ask me for no money whatever it is <laughs> nobody I can give you some advice and um that's what I kind of took hold to um but I want to ask a question for you guys we talk about um sisterhood and womanhood and developing ourselves into womanhood but um all experiences are not positive experiences so negative experiences in motherhood um, you guys, if you have any, if you have had any negative experiences with dealing with um, sisterhood or being part of sisterhood, um, what was that experience like and how did you kind of maneuver through that experience um, to kind of, you know, not drown out your, your um, wants of being a part of a sisterhood, I want to say? <laughs> I think for me, it was it was early on and um, I think I was probably around 18, 19 years old. And, um, you know, when different people are introduced to your circle of friends, um, you, you find it kind of changes some of the dynamic. Um, so when there was somebody who was introduced to our group of friends, she was, it really, her confidence in herself and her assuredness of herself and her having her outspoken and being opinionated about things intimidated me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something I realized until later on that I was pushing her away because of my own insecurities. Um, so, you know, her, her being just who she was, was like looking in the mirror saying to myself, you're not 
you're not that. <laughs> um, and literally, we're like best friends today. And we had a conversation about it probably sometime within the last year. We had a conversation and I told her, when I first met you, I really thought you were a B and I didn't like you. <laughs> um, and we laugh and joke about it but it, I told her I was like yeah you were so confident in yourself and you were you had an opinion you were so sure of yourself and when you stated yourself you were very confident um, and that intimidated me because at that time that wasn't who I was um, so you know we we appreciated the transparency and having that conversation about it but yeah I think really examining those negative moments and um, <laughs> understanding how other women are projecting things on you uh, is, is something when you're talking about women empowerment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I've experienced as well, like just, um, just being in rooms with women that were more like advanced or women that were at a higher level than I was, I did feel intimidated until I got to, I guess, find myself. And I found myself by being in those rooms, by being in those networking environments and just mm -hmm. being in those environments, period. Like I just learned how to, you know, have confidence in myself to know that, okay, these women can walk in here with they, Louboutins on, what they Reeboks on, whatever it is they want to walk in here with, they walk in here with confidence. Why can't I have that confidence when I walk into these rooms? Why do I always have to feel intimidated because of this next person or what this person is doing? But, you know, just being around other women, it made me realize, like, we are all, like, our confidence levels are always on 10. And if you, you know, have... Uh, want to you know be i guess like in a round around you know i've been drinking y'all so excuse me but <laughs> <laughs> if you are around those people you definitely want to be able to learn for individuals as well so you don't want to just be in the crowd and be amongst people who are higher than you and you always feel like you're at the bottom of the totem pole you want to learn and be able to um, find that confidence and find that balance in yourself as well. Um, so yeah, I definitely had to put on my big girl panties real fast. Okay. <laughs> and you know, from from a psychological standpoint, I was just gonna add Trina just to add on because I deal with a lot of clientele that come to me about insecurities when I'm working with women, and from a psychological standpoint, that insecurity is really just because you feel like you're not where you want to be. With a lot of women, when they when they walk into a room and they see, you know, lawyers and engineers, it's a lot of times it's, it's the insecurity within themselves because they're like, I'm not where I want to be yet. I haven't reached or fulfilled my goals and my aspirations. But once you become friends with those women, we all start at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, like I just graduated from medical school in 2018 and... I felt like I was never smart enough to go to medical school. I had a lot of insecurities about going to medical school, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get over it. I'm just going to work through these issues. And every day I had to give myself like positive affirmations to make it through mm -hmm. because it wasn't a lot of black women in my medical class. So I always had to constantly, you know, pump myself up and, you know, make sure that I was holding my head high and holding myself accountable for my actions and different things like that. But what I realized was my insecurities were just because I wasn't where I wanted to be. Because once I started knocking down those goals, I was like, okay, I feel like I belong. Like I am worthy. I know that this is where I need to be. And now I can fulfill all the things that I want to fulfill. Yes. Yes. You said it. <laughs> I would say, um, my, my struggle was actually um, moving to Atlanta. I was new here. I didn't know anyone, like no friends, no family. Um, and I'm a girl's girl. So I was used to like in Virginia having like girlfriends that I could just do nothing with, you know, like I could just be like, I'm bored. I'm going to come over. We would go to the grocery store together. I mean, we would do nothing together. Okay. Like, and we were cool with that. And I like that. Like, I like to just chill with the girls. We have a girl talk. We have wine nights and it's not like a big Thing. So I came to Atlanta and I immediately jumped into um, going to these meetup groups and um, girls, girls night out, all this different stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm about to get me a crew of girls and we about to do nothing together. Cause that's what I like to do. I mean, I like to go out and stuff, but <laughs> I love to do nothing and just have some girl talk with, with some ladies. 
So um, then I realized I'm going to all these events and I go home with just like a stack of business cards. Like every event, it was just business cards, business cards. I'm like, this ain't, they don't want the same thing I want. And I just love like just hanging with the girls. You know what I mean? So I'm just like new girls. I don't care. Oh, you knew you just came back in town. I don't care. I just be wanting to like chill. And I just realized like that was my big struggle with um, sisterhood was that I just never felt like I found that. Now I've been here for six years and I'm still like, I got a couple friends, but it's just like, I've met, I don't know, like a thousand women. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna fly to Virginia when I, when I need to feel, you know, that sisterhood. And so I feel like just now I just flew back from Virginia, um, last week. And I'm just like, maybe that's just what I have to do. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I just have to fly to Virginia when I want to feel that. So I think that was my biggest struggle when it comes to the sisters was just that, like, I wasn't, I wasn't finding people that wanted the same thing that I wanted in when it came to like meeting other people. I think the whole like no new friends thing was just like embedded in everybody's head. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Be my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm cool, right? Like, that was you know, aggravating. Okay, no? right. but I think that was too is, is having, having those relationships and those friendships modeled for you. Um, because for me, I struggled you know, well into my 30s in really establishing and developing relationships. And when I look back, I had to come to terms with the fact that part of it was because it really wasn't modeled for me. You know, my mom mm-hmm. um, is, is very much, um, she's very introvert. So um, her, we didn't have like, you know, a lot of people come into the house as a, as a kid and as a teen, you know, that just wasn't something that went on regularly. And so not really seeing that being modeled, I think it, it, you know, in some ways I kind of struggled. And so it wasn't until I was probably my early thirties that I really found the, the, the ease of being vulnerable around women and Mm -hmm. wanting to be open because I I think I was really guarded for a while because, you know, I had some trust issues. (laughs) Um, and so once I open myself up, and, and not to everybody, but you know, you, you find a, a couple of, of good friends, and then all of a sudden, your whole world changes. And then mm-hmm. moving here to Atlanta um, for four years ago, it was such a breath of fresh air because, you know, my family, obviously, those are my friends. You know, we have a big family, and we always say we don't really need anybody outside the family because there's so, so many of us that we make our own party. But then, you know, connecting with other women here, you know, through my family, it was very refreshing because it was like, wow, is this what it's like to, you know, to just be around a bunch of women and and be able to have a good time and no drama and kiki and, you know, it's it's just all good at the end of the night. And it was just, it, it really, it was amazing. And I often, you know, tell my cousin, it just feels so good to be loved and it feels so good to be chosen. And I, and I still have, you know, good friends back home. Um, and I miss them, you know, dearly, but I also have really started to enjoy, you know, just like I said, being, being chosen and, and, and being well received. It it makes all the difference in the world. I definitely Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. We get it. Staying home ain't it. Especially around the holidays. But this year, staying home means saving lives. So we're changing it up by gathering less and planning small. Our people are counting on us to make the right choice. Think big, plan small. Let's stop the spread, Columbus. I agree with that, just being well-received and understood by, you know, like-minded women. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, Portia and I were able to get together and, and put Cabo Bella Inc. into a actual idea because that was something that uh, personally I can speak on myself but personally I struggled with was finding women that just kind of share the same values and uh, the same things that I uh, really cared about so that really kind of opened my eyes a, a lot to just 
this journey with Capo Bella Inc. and finding these beautiful women who um, are passionate about what they do. They're, you know, determined, things of that nature. So it just really, really um, just continued to allow me to be comfortable with my journey and knowing that I am, you know, doing the right thing and, and being able to create this platform, you know, that we, we've created together. It really helped, you know, with just that journey. That's really interesting. As I hear everyone's struggles in being kind of rooted in insecurity, not having those things modeled for us. And and I've seen that manifest for me was after my child loss experience last year. Um, it was trying to find sisterhood in a community that I actually didn't want to be a part of. Um, and so inadvertently you are assuming that there's gonna be like a level of empathy or care and something that I found, at least on my, the beginning of my journey of finding that community, is that everyone wasn't willing to embrace you. Um, mm -hmm. And everyone wasn't willing to actually model this idea of sisterhood and comfort, especially, Simi, as you have shared experiences. Um, but I can say now that when I began to share my story more and more through like my own healing journey that I was able to kind of attract those people who helped me to yep. heal along that journey and became mm -hmm. sisters and became friends. And so all in that though, it required me to kind of get like vulnerable with myself and kind of unlearn some things and like right. learn about mothering myself um, in a way that allowed me to actually open up a space to receive that type of community. I love that mothering myself. That yeah. was great. I like that. Unlearning and mothering yourself. That was great. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to um, respond to what Kathy said quickly about her, um, about, um, was it friends? You said friendship wasn't really like um, modeled to you by your mom. So my mom had five sisters. So I never seen my mom have friends either, but she had those five sisters. And to this day, they get on conference calls together and they gossip and they do whatever. So it's still like, okay, she don't have friends, but she got five sisters. Like, so it was just like, I always had to just find, try to find like at least one good friend or something, you know? So I think that's like the difference between like how my mom modeled friendship and like my own experience because she had five sisters, you know, mm -hmm. and they were very close and they were very close with their mom. So they had, they always had like their girls, girls, little click. They were born into their little click. Um, yeah, we were in so think, a different state than our family. It was always just us um, where we live. And so we were so very disconnected. And it's so funny that you say that because mm. for years, I often wonder like, well, what's the rest of the family doing? Or you would see pictures mm. or videos and it was like, wow, that looks really fun. Like everybody's having a good time. And so once I came here and I started to visit more often, it was like, wow, is this what it's like to have, you know, this big family and everybody gets together and it's just all love. And, you know, I would go back home and feel like we're missing out because you know, it was just my mom, my sister and my dad in, in California. And we were like so disconnected. And so that's why I was saying, like, when it's not modeled for you, because we didn't even have that that family connection where we were. We were literally on an island, and, and that's kind of what it felt like. And so once I came here and I was able to connect with my entire family, it made, like, a huge, huge difference. Um, and that's not to say that I didn't have good friends, you know, where I, where I came from, because I, I did have a few good friends and some women that I could be really vulnerable with. And we would have girls night out and stuff like that. Um, but it's just, it was a very different experience coming and being in the presence of family because I feel like family can embrace you in a way that nobody else can. And, and they can make you feel loved on, you know, in a way that's so soothing to your soul. And so when you have a friend in your family, like you're, you know, my cousin is my friend. She's not just my cousin, but she's my friend. So when you have that, it's just, it's a, it's an extremely fulfilling, you know, feeling. It's just like, wow, you know, you didn't just choose me because we're related. You chose me because you want to be with me and because mm -hmm. you like me, you know, and, and that's right. a, that's a, an extremely soothing to your soul type of experience. Yeah. It definitely is. And like Kay, my mom has five sisters as well. So I've seen my mom, you know, talk to her sisters like 
when we were younger now everybody is kind of older like we kind of don't meet up and connect as much as we should or as much as we used to because everybody is in different states i have um a uh, uh, aunt who is in the service I have an uncle who is in the service so they're always out of country they're always out of state or always doing something but you know when I was younger I used to see my mom in the way that she bonded with her sisters was like a bond that it was like unmeasurable like type of bond when you see that and it was like wow I want to have that bond with my sisters I want to have that bond with my daughters I want to have that bond with my friends I want to have that bond with other people as well and not just with family so family kind of you know shows you the type of bonds that can be possible that can you know come you know when you meet other people when you are open to meeting other people when you are open to receiving other people as well you begin to kind of find that bun um and i wanted to kind of i'm going to drop like some words and i want um whoever um to respond um your first thought when you hear this word when you hear these words so the first word is approachable what is your first initial response to the positive negative both either or <laughs> approachable um yes yes I, I feel like everybody should be somewhat approachable um in some type of manner um I think that's just based on your spirit you know it doesn't always have to be a smile you're about to say oh you gotta you ain't smiling you know put <laughs> a smile on your face you know I think that's just based on your spirit you know if you have a, a inviting spirit or humbling spirit you know you're going to be approachable you know by people and it couldn't just be simply um I don't know, it could be some, simply just somebody complimenting you or it could be simply someone just saying, you know, have a good day. You know, we here in the South, people love to talk. So, you know, it could be something just as simple as that. But I think, it, you know, it's always great to have an approachable um, manner about yeah. yourself. Yeah, when I hear approachable, I think of body language. Um, yeah. When I am in spaces where I know I want to meet new people, I really have to check my body language and making sure that my body language is saying that I am open. Um, a lot of times when you are an introvert or you're just not really ready to <laughs> be receiving people, your body language will show it. You'll be tensed up, your arms will be folded, or you'll be sitting at the table not scanning the room. You'll probably be keeping yourself busy on your phone or things like that. So I really make sure that I make a conscious effort when I want to be <laughs> approached. I make sure my body is saying I want to be approached. Um, if I'm standing in a room, I'm scanning who's in the room. Um, my hands are open or, you know, I'm your, your, your body will show gestures that say, come talk to me. <laughs> um, and I think as women, when we're dating, you know when you're 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 signaling for somebody to come and approach you. So if you kind of think about in the sense of that when you're ready to receive other people, male or female, to approach you. Think of that body language that you send off. Maybe not like flirting, um, but you know, thinking about your body language is you know, am I relaxed? Am I being open? Or am I tense and nervous? Do I need to go to the bathroom and take a few deep breaths and come back into this room and be approachable? That's true. To piggybacking off of what you said with body language, I think eye contact, of course, comes into play with that too. So if I'm talking to, talking to somebody, normally if we're engaging with the eyes and they never take their eyes off of me, they're super engaged, right? But a lot of times when you're speaking with somebody and then they start cutting their eyes or they, somebody gets their attention to the right and they automatically gear their eyes towards the person to the right. That means they're, they're they really didn't want to be approached, you know, because they're, they're cutting. I'm just saying this because this has happened so many times at events where I'm trying to introduce myself to somebody and then they cut their eyes. I automatically say, well, thank you for your time. You know, thanks for talking to me. Just because I can feel that with your eyes, especially if they start cutting to the left and to the right and stuff like that. So that's a huge thing. Yes, handshakes too. When I contact a handshakes, that's a that's a, another another thing too. Yeah. I think when it comes to um, being approachable by other women, it's important that I appear to be friendly in some kind of way, whether that's smiling or I don't know what it is I have to do. I think the constant smiling is very important for me because of um, my build. Like I'm five ten, hundred and however many pounds, and I can I guess I can come off like 
intimidating. It's like this big old lady over here. I don't know if I'm going to say nothing to her. She might, might crush me or whatever people think when they see like a, a larger woman. It's kind of like people don't just want to, but I have to like look friendly, like on purpose. You know what I mean? So, or if somebody sees me talking to other women and they see like, okay, they're engaged and they're having a good time. They're laughing and they're smiling. Then maybe I can go over there and approach and talk to them, whatever. So I think, I think looking friendly on purpose is, um, is my idea of being approachable when it comes to like mixing and mingling with with the ladies but when it comes to the guys i don't think they care if i'm approachable or not they go and talk <laughs> they, don't <laughs> they don't care about the room. They don't they know that's the whole story they ain't reading the room they like you look good i want them to talk whether she's frowning she can be crying you ain't gotta be right <laughs> exactly don't be paying no attention they don't care about what, what you really giving off so, yeah, I have a question. You know what, I like, think a lot of, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, boy. No, you finish up. No, I have a question. I just, I was really interested to know, like, as a black woman going into spaces where there is a mixed group of people, do you feel pressure to actually put a smile on your face so you won't look like the angry black woman, or like you have an oh, attitude, yeah. like people automatically mm-hmm. assume because you're not smiling, you're a black girl yeah. with attitude. If I'm like, there, do you feel I'm, that pressure? Yeah. If I'm there too, oh, like if that's my, I'm sorry, who, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk so, over somebody. Barely to like smile. Like I am who I am. If I feel like smiling at that moment, I'll smile. But if I'm just scoping out the room and I'm really like taking my time to like scope out the room, I don't know like what my facial expression looks like. And I'm not yeah. trying to look like I'm all happy when I'm looking around trying to see like <laughs> else is in here. Like, but if I my eyes meet with someone else, then I can be approachable. My smile mm-hmm. will come. My body language will change. But as I'm scoping out the room, I'm just me, you know. And um, I don't know if anybody is looking or whatnot. But yeah, I don't kind of, I don't really like feel pressure into it. Now, some situations, like if I am like really like a black person in the mix, then I'll try to smile. And I'll try to be more polite just for them to know that, okay, she is approachable. She is not like, you know, she's not, uh, you know, unapproachable. And I only do that, like, when I'm in, like, different markets or whatnot, like, open markets. Because it's, it's a lot of white people there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I really got to, you know, kind of, because, you know, for the most part, they don't talk to you unless you look approachable. So if you want people to talk to you or whatnot when it comes to business, yeah, you definitely got to look approachable. <laughs> That's, that's really interesting you say that because I think in echoing all of that in the nature of the world where everything is video conferencing now, for my work that I do um, for a large corporation, we have video conferencing. And I've seen a lot most recently that there's been what I call policing of black and brown facial expressions and wow. like calling out of individuals because they might not be smiling, which is like ridiculous to me to think that because I am not smiling today on this video conference that I've had for the 3,000th time, (laughs) I have to be called out. And so it's just, it just always sometimes kind of feels like we have to carry this burden of making everyone else feel comfortable when we may not want to smile at that moment. I might not be happy. I might need to have, have to take a bio break, but you know, to put somebody on the spot, because you want to police their emotions and their faces is is something that I've been seeing a reoccurrence of um, in the, in this time right now. Yeah, definitely in the corporate world because, like you said, we we're video chatting uh, sometimes two three times a day too, and sometimes I will only turn my audio on because I don't want to hear that. Like and or and then I don't want it to seem like I'm rebuttaling because I'm that employee that like will be like. So is that like a police or like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I'm always the one to say something. Like Anasha will tell you, I'm not, I'm always the one to say something. So, you know, I'm, sometimes I turn, turn my audio only on because they will do that. It'll, you'll be on a conference call with 20 people and they'll say, hey, Portia, you having a bad day today? I'm like, why are you asking? Why me? <laughs> <laughs> I think that in, in, the, in the whole professional, you know, world itself, it's unfortunate that we have to, sometimes try and make other people feel comfortable around us yeah as trina was saying you know sometimes it's just the nature of the job like you know you got to do what you got to do and 
it, it's not it's not always fun and it's not even always fair but it's just what we're dealing with and and so you just have to try and make the best of it because it can mean the difference in you know getting ahead or not getting ahead and it's not about um necessarily you know kissing butt or anything like that it's just this is what I have to do in order to you know advance in, in into the next step of my career or if it's you know if you're in sales this is what I have to do to make the sale and it's it's just, it's not always fun because sometimes you don't feel like putting that smile on, but you just do what you got to do and keep it pushing. Yeah. yeah. So like for us as African-American women and people, we have strong features. So, you know, not all the time are we not trying not to be approachable. That's just how we look. <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. why after a while it's kind of like, what are you saying? Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. I want to answer um, Gwen's question about feeling pressure. I don't think I ever feel pressured um, to smile and look approachable so I don't look like the angry black woman, but it's just like, if I, if I actually am there to mix and mingle and be friendly and meet new people, then I do want to come off looking like a friendly person. But any other case, like, no, I don't feel pressured to look friendly or look happy all the time. It's just like, if I'm just going somewhere to eat or whatever, I'm not going to be like walking and smiling. But if, if my purpose of going into that space is to be friendly and mix and mingle then right. yeah I do feel like it's important that I look friendly right. only in that case only in that I, I agree I, <laughs> I feel like I always have like this resting bitch face that people are just like, <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> 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 <That's cool. laughs> like my resting I, face <laughs> period <laughs> I feel like it's okay to just own that. Like, if that's, you know, that's who you are. Yeah. That's who you are. I have a friend who people question her all the time, too, you know, and she's like, that's just how I look. Like, get over it. It has nothing right. to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> Taking it personal. And I'm just right. completely opposite. I'm always smiling, but that's just me. And I just own it. I get people to ask me, are you on something? I'm like, no, I'm just happy. Can <laughs> <laughs> it also be like, kind of, maybe cultural or regional in a sense because mm-hmm. I noticed moving here from the west like everybody here seems to be you know friendly and mm-hmm. you could just be walking down the street and it's like hey yes I wasn't accustomed to that and it took me a minute to really you know to grasp the concept that People are just friendly and they're just, they're going to speak. And all you got to do is say, hey. And I even, you know, my cousin even told me, girl, welcome to the South. You have to learn how to be nice to people and, you know, <laughs> to people. Right. Because I wasn't necessarily approachable in that regard because I wasn't used to just, you know, having random people just, yeah. hey. <laughs> so I think you know depending upon where you're from and what you're accustomed to there is a a level of adaptation that has to take place if you're in a new environment where that's just commonplace right yes yes all right I'm gonna say one last word and then um we're gonna close it out we are topping our hour um honesty um, when it comes to sisterhood, when it comes to meeting new people, um, how important is honesty? Because I know sometimes like, oh, I'm just an honest person. I'm just going to tell you straight up just how it is. Like, <laughs> really be that honest with people and expect people to kind of accept it? Or do you kind of tone it down with your honesty? Like, what's your opinion about everything? Or are you just like, okay, this is not the time for me to voice that <laughs> read the room you gotta read the room there's a time and place for everything, for everything. You know, it's okay yes. if you are just that blunt person some people just can't control themselves and it's okay right. if you are but I feel like as a as you're growing and maturing that's a part of maturing is knowing how to read the room and right. knowing what situations to talk about you know, I'm not going to go into work and just go full on about all of my personal views on uh, <laughs> politics and re- religion, you know, as, until yeah. I'm able to read the room and get to know who I'm working with, you know, yeah. and I just feel like that's just something that you just have to, you know, grasp as you get older. Yes. That is and true. to piggyback off of what she's saying, I think that's so important because as a, I'm a psychiatrist, so I'm constantly 
I listen for a living, essentially, mm -hmm. give advice and different things like that. But not everybody can take in what you're trying to give. Right. And so a lot of times you have to meet people where they're at, because even if you are being honest and it's for to improve them as a person, sometimes people aren't ready to receive that advice. So I think reading that body language and knowing where your friend, family member, coworker, you know, where that person is in their life and if they're actually willing to take in that information, because you can give information and advice all you want, but if they're not willing to receive that and they're not ready to receive that, then it's going to go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, you wait for your time. <laughs> right, because you don't, you don't want to over or undercompensate in the name of honesty. So you really want to just, you know, kind of think about what it is that you want to say. Because a lot of times I'm that way too. Like I can't, I'm, I'm very like opinionated, you know, sometimes we all are, but you have to really think like, okay, is this really like, can this really wait? You know what I'm saying? Or can this, is this person really going to be receptive to what it is I'm going to have to say? Or are they only going to be recognizing my tone and my delivery? You know, so you just really have to. I think, think we have to be, I think we have to be, uh, pay attention that our words have to have direction. Like yes. when, uh, when you open up your mouth, your words have got to have somewhere to go or else they're going to fall flat and you're going to trip over them and so is someone else. And so your honesty can truly hurt somebody because they're mm -hmm. tripping over it and then you cause you know something to hurt them when you didn't mean it that way right so uh, i'm all for being honest but i want my words to have a direction and, and a place to go so either they're going to fall softly which i hope and you can receive and just like um dr fuller said you have to uh, read the room and see how they're going to receive that but i want my mm -hmm. words to have direction so that i'm not causing a hindrance to, you know, I may want to help my girlfriend or my sister or my friend, but if right. she's not ready to receive that, then, you know, if I tell it to her, it's going to be received the wrong way and it could prolong her process, whatever her journey may be. Very true. Very true. Well, I, yeah. think when I, I think when I, sorry. You, you, yeah. someone I think, told me you can say anything, but it's how you say it. And so, yeah. you, know, you can't just always want to get something off your Blurt chest, it out. speak your yeah. mind, speak your peace, because it's not going to help the situation. And so sometimes you have to choose to, to take a step back and say, you know what, this is not the time to say that. And then in other instances, maybe it's the time, but it's very important how you say it. Yeah. I think a lot of times we're not gentle enough with one another to recognize mm -hmm. that how we're saying yeah. it is probably what's more hurtful than what we're saying in a lot of cases. Yeah. I think yeah. when it comes to honesty, um, like different from um, being opinionated or sharing what you think about something, but just being honest about yourself and who you are and like who you are, um, who you're giving to other people. So if you're um, wanting to meet me and you want me to be your friend or your accountability partner or whatever I have to be honest about like who I am because I don't want you to fall for something else that I'm actually not so I think it's important that I'm being honest in that regard not necessarily um forcing my opinions on you or being like this is what I think and this is what you should think but more so like is this the real k that I'm giving off because if I want these people to like me I want them to like the real me not a me that I'm pretending to be so I think that's where um, honesty comes in for me and sisterhoods and all that type of stuff. They just need to, they need to like me because of who I actually am and not who I'm lying and saying I am. You know they what I mean? So, right. What I'm saying needs to be true about yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. And I, about I think on the flip side of this is the lack of honesty um, can be harmful as well, yes. Yes. especially mm -hmm. in friendships um or mm -hmm. any relationships where you're close with somebody the lack of honesty can be more harmful <laughs> than telling the truth um and i i think we when you're coming from a place of being vulnerable um you know honesty could come across as something that is healing it can lead your relationship to another level or your friendships to another level or whatever you know person you're being honest with it it can open up new doors um when you are actually being honest and the lack of being honest can harm you know whatever you're trying to work on 
being honest can also harm too. And I think you have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to like somebody telling you the absolute truth about something and you have, if you don't like it, you have to be okay with it. And if that truth makes you want to walk away from that person, you have to be okay with that. Don't prefer that they lie to you and tell you what you want to hear. Like be okay with that honesty and be okay with, if you have to cut ties with that person, you have to cut ties, but at least they were keeping it real. Cause there's a lot of that lack of honesty as Gwen was saying, and that can be hurtful, but the truth can hurt too, but I prefer that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I prefer it, honesty. It's somewhat relational though, because we have to, we're, we're not going to just go through life, you know, cutting everybody that comes, you know, across our path. Um, so I, I think it has to, it has to be rooted in somewhat of where, where are you in that relationship? And, you know, if, if that relationship isn't something that's really near and dear to you, and it's, it's something that you really want to fight for, um, I don't see why you would necessarily, you know, want to say something that's, ne- that's going to hurt somebody. Like, I, I think we have to be, we have to be considerate of people's feelings. And although we want to be honest, it, again, it goes back to what am I saying and how am I saying it? And do I need to say it at this very moment? Um, because maybe you're not the person that needs to tell them that. And and we have to, we have to be considerate of that. And I know in our closest relationships, yes, for me, honesty is extremely important. Um, it's really like one of the most important things to me in a relationship. Um, but with that, I don't feel like I have to tell everybody what's on my mind and what I'm thinking at all times. No, it's not, it's it's not that deep. And, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to be that person that's always hurting someone simply because I had an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I'm interested in that. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I definitely agree with that. Like, just because you have an opinion does not mean that you, you know, have to voice it because yeah. definitely it hurts people, you know, and you definitely don't want to be that that hurts people every single time you open your mouth. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow. I don't even want to be around this person. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so my, I've I've been in therapy for uh, a while with a really good therapist, and one of the things that she has, you know, said to me was not assuming how other people will feel when you are speaking your own truth, um, and I'm interested in how that plays out. Uh, so if I'm willing to, I'm, I'm stating facts about something like doing my nonviolent confrontation or talk with somebody, when you do this, I feel this, and I'm being honest with you about something that that person has done and how it's affecting me, I can't make assumptions about how that's going to make you feel. So being honest, and I think maybe Dr. Fuller, maybe you can help kind of shed the light on honesty and assuming that some, my honest truth is going to hurt somebody, um, making those assumptions about what honesty, how that would make somebody else feel versus telling them the truth. How do you, yeah, reading the room is one thing, but assuming how that would make somebody feel versus I had to tell the truth. Where do you go with that? (laughs) I think it's also where that person is in their life and the level, like what type of relationship that you all have. Because I was looking at, um, does anybody watch Insecure? Yeah. <laughs> so I was looking at the relationship, since we're talking about sisterhood, I was looking at the relationship between Molly and Issa. And it's just so interesting because really, I think one of the foundations of their friendship is based on toxic. Like, they yeah. only seem to bond when things are going... Traumatic. Tra- very traumatic and wow. dramatic. And That's you deep. have to realize... Yeah, you have to realize the type of friendship that you have with someone. Because in mm-hmm. that situation, they were there was assumptions on both sides. And it's because of that. They're both bringing trauma and they're both bringing toxicity to that relationship. So I think when it comes to assumptions, we all we all are guilty of assuming different things. Whether it's looking at someone and assuming where they come from or where it's, you know, someone walks in a room like, oh, she's full of herself because of X, Y, and Z. And I think sometimes not only do we have to check ourselves about our assumptions, 
because if you're assuming something then you're putting up that wall of even trying right. to get to know that person how you feel when they do something as opposed to telling someone about themselves um, there's a huge difference and so when we talk about honesty in relationships you know the people that are closest to you you're not necessarily looking to assume how they're going to feel as much as you're trying to express how their actions may make you feel as opposed to someone that you're not close to you know you don't just want to say things that are going to be hurtful and harmful for the sake of saying it because you you know that that's going to be you know taken in a bad way like we we often know when our words are going to cut and when our words are going to hurt and so we yeah, do have yeah. to take responsibility for those words before they come out of our mouth and we can't always just you know say what's on our minds under the guise of well i'm just being real i'm just keeping it 100. that's 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 not who i want to be as a person right right all right awesome ladies well thank you all again for chiming in today this was amazing i love love to just hear um you all speak your opinions and speak you know what your knowledge is it's definitely important for us to be able to be in rooms like this to be able to talk and voice our opinions without being biased without judging you know um, one another. Um, if anyone has any closing remarks, you may say them now. <laughs> you all look amazing. Great first episode. Yes. <laughs> Great first Thank episode. you. <laughs> yeah. Nice to meet all y'all. I met some of y'all before, but it's nice to meet the rest of y'all. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Awesome. This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering. We're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting. We're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom, or opening gifts virtually, traditions can keep us close, even when we can't be together. Stay safe, stay connected, think big, and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus. We get it. Staying home ain't it. Especially around the holidays. But this year, staying home means saving lives. So we're changing it up by gathering less and planning small. Our people are counting on us to make the right choice. Think big. Plan small. Let's stop the spread, Columbus.